When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday Follow-Up for Season 12, Episode 32, Ron Friedley. This week, we heard the emotional 2006 interview of Ron Friedley, who, as a quick reminder, is Becky's father and Vicky's ex-husband. Ron also gave us a little insight on his financial settlement with Vicky. And on another note, we had massive movement this week in a case that's near and dear to me, which of course is an arrest in the Delphi case. I'm Zach Weaver. I'm joined by Janet Varney and the one and only Bob Ruff. And after a quick break, we have a lot to dive into. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, everybody, we are back. As Zach said, thank you so much for tuning in old time radio style. And we have a lot to talk about today. I do think we should start out with what you mentioned in the intro, Zach. Um, Would love to hear from both of you how you're feeling about Monday's announcement about the arrest and the Delphi murders. Wow. What do you think? Well, as we all know, I've cried multiple times since Friday. I can tell you that much. I cried the moment I saw the text from my wife. As I said, I saw, I saw a text from my wife. She actually has a friend that has a little bit of connection to this case and was told beforehand. And my wife texted me and I, I just I lost it at work. And I think mm-hmm. that's when I text you guys. And that's immediately yeah. when I saw everything else pop. So, yeah. And this yeah. this was once again, this always happens to me that. I was um, up in northern Michigan for the weekend in an area with no cell service. And like in my last like three minutes of having cell phone service, I get the text from you that says they made an arrest in the Delphi case. I'm like, wait, what happened next? And then nothing for three days. So I didn't know anything that was going on until I got back. So, I mean, as 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 any listeners do not know, there was an arrest made Friday. Uh, A gentleman named Richard Allen, 50 from Delphi, was arrested and charged with two counts of murder in, in Abby and Libby's case. Um, there was a press conference Monday, 10 a.m., and they and they basically reiterated exactly what we already knew. The, the, the individual's name is Richard Allen from Delphi. He's a, he works at CVS at the local there, um, and he's being charged with two counts of murder. I mean, that's that's basically all they told us. Yeah, the big the big thing that I the only takeaway and what I was waiting to hear was that. 
he was charged with murder mm-hmm. uh, right. because, you know, they all we knew leading up to that was there had been an arrest made. But like we've heard that before. We heard that with Keegan Klein. Yeah. We heard that with. Um, well, and I believe on, on Friday, the, the terminology they used was in connection with. Right. right. They used the term in connection with, which yeah. can mean a lot of things. So, I yeah, I was worried that we would hear Monday that it's that, you know, it, it was something that was somehow connected. But. No, they said in the press conference, which was the only real information we got out of that press conference, was that he was he was charged with two counts of murder, mm-hmm. and that he had done a submitted a preliminary plea of I'm not, not guilty, guilty, and that there will be a pretrial hearing in January, and the trial is already scheduled for March. Which I would I can't imagine that will go through in March. Like I I would imagine that be bad. There's going to be there's got I assume there'll have to be a change of venue. Um, cause Delphi is such a small area and yeah. there's so much. So, yeah. And right now the, the one thing that has happened that's, that's got a lot of people talking is they actually sealed the charging documents and the probable cause affidavit, which I think is pretty unheard of in my opinion, but they sealed it for 30 days. There is a hearing, um, November 22nd, uh, the media is suing to see if they can get it released and unsealed, but it's sealed for 30 days up until yeah. this point. And you and I talked about, we, we were all three talking about this a little bit before the show that I think we have a little bit varying viewpoints on it like i th- I think that i'm 100 percent in support of withholding evidence but i i've voiced my frustration in this case for years about the fact that i feel like this case could have been solved years ago if if the law enforcement agencies involved would see the value in the public's knowledge in crowdsourcing there's Again, there's certainly things that you need to hold back. But like, for example, in this press conference, we don't know how he was arrested. So like, like they could say, based on DNA evidence, we made this arrest. That's not going to affect. There's no way that can possibly affect the outcome mm-hmm. at trial. They could give us some. But, but it, it's I almost feel like Doug Carroll just it, it, like Doug Carter. Um, like where's where's as a badge of honor that he's the guy that's not sharing anything. But it's like. It just reminds me of like like we had a an old chief at our fire department that was like couldn't understand like the the spirit of a law if that makes sense right so mm-hmm. it's it's like this is the rules say that you can and and here's some things you should do and instead of like like thinking it through logically like okay the purpose here is we don't want to mess up the trial so let's figure out what we can share right. without messing up the trial instead he's like no we don't want to mess up the trial so we share nothing so I'm sharing nothing like everything's black it's they don't owe us anything. I'm not mad about it, but it is definitely frustrating that we still don't have any information. And at this point, we're le- you know we're leading up to trial, so that's probably okay. But but again, I still think there's more evidence that maybe could come forward if we ha- if if people not from me, mm-hmm. but from like people in the area and thing. If we knew just a tiny bit of what the hell is going on. Well, and they are asking. I mean, they they're still asking for tips to come in. I mean, they they've asked numerous times. Right. They kept the tip lines open. They're they're asking for tips. And if if you any listeners have any tips, live in the area, know anything, they they want you to email. It's Abby and Libby tip at c a c o s h r f dot com. That's that's the email they're using. Yeah. That's that's where they want the tips directed. If anybody knows anything, please send them over. Yeah. I know they've gotten a bunch of tips since Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've had like three hundred new tips come in since Friday. From from what I've been hearing from uh, Fox fifty nine Max Lewis, who's a, a reporter down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's my. So they're still asking for tips. So they're still needing more information. I just for me, it's like give us enough information that people know what to, they should even be looking for or thinking about or you know. 
because you know they mentioned in the press conference that you know that they're they hinted at there could be more people involved or another person involved. And it's like, just tell, if you think maybe there was somebody else involved, tell us and give us some idea of what the hell we're looking for. Nobody knows. That's just, I don't know. It's, it's just a pet. Like I said, it's just a pet peeve of mine. I know they don't owe me any, anything. I've just, I've, I've always felt with this case, like you could share some, for example, they put out these sketches. Mm-hmm. Well, where did the sketches come from? Yeah. You know, they didn't come from the photo of bridge guy because you can't see his face. Is there a witness? Is there a witness there that saw someone? And when did they see? Like, those are the breadcrumbs to me that lead to figuring these things out. And we were never giving any breadcrumbs. And I don't know if it's just trying to be following the rules, if that's just a point of pride for them, or if it's, I hope it's not something of, you know, where we have a lot of law enforcement that are really don't like the idea of the public being, even when the public and crowdsourcing has is solving cases, and you know, mm-hmm. look what happened with Paul Flores' conviction that just happened, and stuff that uh, based on Chris Lambert's work, that they're just like, no, no, we're the professionals, and we're going to do it. We don't need your help. I don't know what it is, but well, this is what we do know in the case. These are the facts that we do know at the moment that that everybody is uh, pretty aware of. He's local. He's from Delphi. He he actually, I mean, his, his house is. I'm not going to put it out here. It's not my place to put it out here. His his residence is less than two miles away from the bridge. It's about one point mm. seven miles from the bridge. Walking distance fifteen minutes. I mean, it's very very close. Yeah, he's he worked at CVS in town. He's a pharmacy tech in town. He's he's active. I mean, they have pictures of him at bars. People know him. They've had bar owners come forward and can't believe that he sat in the bar. You know, there's the picture that a lot of us have seen where he's sitting in a bar with the sketch behind him, and that bar yeah. owner came forward and said, "We can't believe that he was here doing this." You know, so. I, we do know that he's local. He's been there. You know what I mean? He's been there walking around mm-hmm. in the face of all those sketches, in the face of all those billboards. Yeah. And we've seen what's, what, you know, I'm calling unconfirmed reports that you brought up mm-hmm. that where people have posted some articles and links about saying the police had spoke with him at some point and that he had um, allegedly had acknowledged, admitted that he was at the park or that he was at, you know, he was on the trail that day mm-hmm. and had spoken to police. I just haven't been able, it's like, it's on like some Facebook posts and stuff and they're showing, but I haven't been able to track down the sources, the source documents for that to confirm if that's true or not. There, there is a ton of rumors coming in and that's not our place to really say those. You can obviously find them pretty easily on the internet. There's rumors all over the place, but what we know is, you know, at this point he is presumed innocent until proven guilty and, and the, the public needs to understand that. Mm-hmm. And I want, while I fully believe and this is my personal opinion that I think they have the guy we need to let law enforcement do their job at this point. Mm-hmm. We need to let the prosecution do their job. This is the first time in the case that I'm okay with them remaining silent throughout the entire time. I've not been happy about them remaining silent, but at this point, this is the first time that I'm okay with them remaining silent. It is the most important thing right now for everybody, for the town, for that family, for Abby and Libby to get that conviction. Yeah. And I, I agree with that, but I also, I, I think that, there's some information that could be like, like, like I said, for example, if they say that we tracked him down due to DNA, that doesn't mm-hmm. affect the trial. That's not going to hurt a conviction. Um, but again, I know that they don't owe us any of that. I'm curious. You just, you just said that you're very confident that they have the right guy. What, what do you base that on? I, I personally believe that they would not have moved forward in an arrest of this, this magnitude without having solid evidence mm-hmm. at this point. There's been so many people, so many suspects that have come through that we've thought are them. The Keegan Allen with the, the child porn ring, all this, you know, they made a rest in that. Klein. Keegan Klein. I apologize. Yep. Keegan Klein. 
they made an arrest in that, but they never said he was connected. They said he talked to him. They, they've been very forthright about that. There's all these suspects that they've, they've kind of have been rumored, but when they actually came forward and made an arrest, that feels like a big thing to me. That feels like they're yeah. not, they're not going to risk this at this point. If this isn't the guy, they certainly haven't taken any risk to this point. So I guess, I guess that's what yeah. I'm getting. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. getting is that there has been no risk taken. So why would they take a risk at this point? Mm-hmm. If this is not, if they do not have the evidence to prosecute this guy. Right. Your thoughts, Janet. Oh, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I mean, I think it, it, it definitely remains to be seen. My sense of the, I was impressed. I'm actually was impressed that they didn't say more in the sense that, and I mentioned this on the pre-show as well, that in the wrongful conviction stuff that we see come through all the time, you often see that the prosecution or the cops are very eager to make statements to the to the press and kind of poison everybody's impression of like, well, this is definitely the guy. We got him. We right. got him. Got him. It's as clear as day. Anybody who doesn't think this person's guilty is stupid. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm exaggerating, but not that much. So I feel like the fact that they are they don't want anything to get in the way, like you said, Zach, of the actual evidence and to have someone be able to argue like you poisoned the jury pool like you've you know, who are we going to find now? Because you went out there and loudmouthed about all the evidence you had. So right. from a standpoint of fairness, I'm actually really impressed that they are putting the trial first and foremost as a priority and not, you know, getting the word out to the public about how incredibly guilty this guy is. I think that's that's actually really admirable. Well, and I think the other thing that that kind of screams at me is the fact that the you, there's nuggets from the family. You know, the family's been very quiet and the family has been let in that more than we know. But, you know, when when Kelsey actually tweeted that like today's the day, like right. That that puts a lot of weight into it for me because they do mm-hmm. the family does know more than what we're ever going to know. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's so much that we can speculate about that we probably, you know, is there a connection to that Keegan Klein, you know, the searches that were happening in the river weeks before, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot, we'll let it, we'll let it play out. And I definitely agree that if you're going to, um, vault on one extreme or the other, as far as sharing too much or not enough, then it's definitely better to share not enough. Um, and most of it is just my career. I, I was telling you guys, Jack and Jack and Zanet. Well, that's uh, one of my favorite, one of yeah, my favorite Zach mistakes we make. Uh, Monday when we were t- when we were texting is like I, I wish so badly that I could just go and attend the trial and report on it, but it's it's going to be a long, yeah, a long trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll figure out I, I can, I can uh, we'll pause the season and I'll do a daily podcast on the Delphi trial from there. That'll give me an excuse to go down and watch it because it, this is a case too that like I know it's it's one that Zach's been very passionate about. I've been very passionate about it too, and um. Uh, myself and Captain from True Crime Garage, he and I t- have talked a lot about it for a long time. And but it's just one of those things that there's there's there were never any information there to do anything with, mm-hmm. you know. So it'd be really, I just I just want to see this thing resolved, and at least it looks like they have a plan in place to get things moving pretty quickly. Yeah. So there was another little. We'll just very quickly touch on this because it's a bit of a nothing burger um, that happened in Adnan's case, as it were. Which is that apparently, and I didn't even do a ton of research on this because the what seemed most important to me was the statement that um, came out from Mosby's office. But apparently, Kevin Urich like came forward with a piece of paper that was handwritten. Was like, no, look, see, this is a, my handwritten transcript of a thing that shows that I wasn't being like I wasn't doing misconduct. It's so strange. And then yeah. Mosby's office just had to issue a thing that was like. This is nothing. This is meaningless. 
This is so oh, sad that. that he's trying. Yeah, that he's trying so hard to repair the damage mm. he's done to his own career and reputation. Um, it's it's interesting. If you haven't heard about this, look it up. You can read yeah. the note and read the response, and um, it's pretty scathing as it should be. Yeah, uh, essentially, he's saying that the the suspect, where it looks like it must have been a phone call mm-hmm. tip, they were talking to somebody. The handwritten note um, was somebody who said this person told Hay that they would kill her and make her disappear. And then he's kind of tries to revise that. So he revised his own notes to say, no, I meant I was referring to Adnan, that they were, even though the tip was about somebody else entirely, Uh that part was about Adnan and, uh, um, yeah, the Mosby, I don't know if it was Mosby who wrote it, but Mosby's office. As their uh, communication response to it. Yeah. That said, we're well aware of all of this in the notes and this was not based on just that. There was other information and don't forget we've been investigating this for a year, which if you read between the lines, what she's saying is we've talked to the person who gave you the tip jackass and we know exactly what they meant. Yes. Uh, And then she laid out that, that you, she was like, you are trying to cover your misconduct and the violations and everything that you did and that you have had a history of doing in this case, and she yeah. just lit him. I, yeah, I feel like he's probably thinking like maybe I should have just just shut up for a minute instead of trying I to like. Would, I you would hope that that would yeah. at least be getting through. Yeah, <clears> yeah. He set so, him up, and Mosby knocked him down for sure. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, well, let's uh, get into Pinion Pines, um, episode thirty-two. Ron Friedley, we heard uh, from the first time from Ron. And a lot of reaction to that. There were in the follow up a few things that I sort of thought maybe I would see um, and didn't. So I had jotted a few of those down. I don't know if you want to hear them top of show, if you want me to sort of work them in as we go. But also would love to hear from Zach on your feelings about this conversation uh, that the police have with Ron and Bob's thoughts that he followed up with afterwards. Bob's thoughts were spot on for me. You know, there wasn't a lot that I took away. I mean, I know it was nice to hear some of the financial back and forth and kind of his whereabouts, but his raw emotion at the end of that interview is what defined it for me. I, I mean, that was extremely hard to listen to. It was, it was, it was upsetting to listen to, to hear him have to recount that and go through it. I, I mean, there's not much more to say. I mean, I was upset. I was crying listening to him talk about Becky, talk about this situation. It really rung true to me. I mean, I don't see how he would have done this at this point. So for me, I was, I want to make clear that I, when I said that I think he could be cleared as a suspect, it's not because of his emotion. That was just part of it added onto it is for the reasons we'll be talking about. I'm sure as we go forward here, but I was actually texting with, um, Teresa Dunn, who's done a lot of work with us, helping us volunteering to do stuff who's here in while the I was Hi, listening Teresa. to it. And I, I think I, I text her while I was, while I was going through it. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I have tears rolling down my face. Like, like as a dad listening to him was just like, you can't fake that. That's mm-hmm. like this poor guy. And what it did for me, again, that that's not the part that made me believe that he could be crossed off as a suspect. It's It was other elements. Um, but it, what it, it did a couple things. One is it, you know, as, as investigators, when we're looking at things, everything is like data. And it was like all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, you forget like this is a human being that lost his daughter. And it was just like there was a lot, there's 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 you're 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 seeing him as as a as a real person. 
for me, even like I would say, like there's even like get now I have, I am proud to say I've never said in the show that I thought he was a suspect. I've never, you know, I've always said that he sounded like he was alibied. He passes polygraph. There's nothing to believe, but we needed to look into him because of that money situation. He still needed to be looked into because we had this thing that was a pretty big risk factor laying out there. But even with that, even like I was feeling like guilt and like the fact that in my mind, I was thinking that he could be a suspect the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, that, that because it was like, listen to it. It was just like, I don't know. It was. It, it, it just just felt bad. It was just like, oh my god, like this guy lost his daughter. I I don't know. It was a it was kind of a powerful thing for me. It's one of the reasons I wanted everybody to actually hear this one. Sure. The the only thing that I took away, and I don't think it means anything, is when he's talking to it. It, it sounds like as if Ron has a personal friendship with Bump and Zero. Yeah, he does. He calls him Bump. Yeah, because he talks a lot. He said, you know, obviously Bump has to remain distant. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have Leclerc, Leclerc talk to you, but Bump has to remain distant. So, mm-hmm. so there is some personal connection there as well with the law enforcement. Well, and there's 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 more to this, and we'll get into more of it as we move along as we get closer to trial and stuff. But for sure, I think there was a conflict of interest that should have, like Bump and Sarah, I feel like shouldn't have been involved in this investigation because of his connection to Ron, and that was even as you said pointed out in this interview and like, yet how many of the interviews that we've heard so far have been bump and Sarah is the one that is conducting the interviews mm-hmm. like there there was a problem there well yeah it's, it sounded like i'm sorry who was what's the officer's name who was conducting this interview uh who was it that i'm trying to remember because i in my mind i always think bump and Sarah and leclerc are the two people doing the interviews but i know this yeah. guy's voice we've heard this guy's voice for for sure before I think uh, it sounded very maybe familiar to in the me. YouTube chat might bring it up. I'm drawing a blank right now because okay. I just listened to three other interviews this morning. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely sounded like he was saying it wasn't even that he was necessarily saying, you know, he has closeness to this case. It was just like for you and you alone, Ron, Bump and Sarah, we have to put we have to put a little distance between you and Bump. But like, right there, that was not suggested to be an issue with any other aspect of the case. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying for me, but, like there, like you shouldn't have like one of your lead investigators being best friends with the victim's father. Yes, who's also potentially a suspect. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, oh, I agree. I, I think I'm just saying it didn't re- seem like that was their concern. Their concern You're seemed right. like it felt in the conversation like it extended only as far as Bump can't be the one who's interviewing you, Ron Freely. Cor- Beyond correct. that, he's hard at work at this. Yeah. Um, so that was you're, that was an right. interesting piece of information for so sure. What were the things that you had that you said that aren't in the questions? Um, I think I saw. I did think I saw someone say. I thought I saw something about someone saying, "Well, you know, he would he would be crushed if he didn't know his daughter was going to be there, and he had brought someone in to commit the crime on his behalf. Like he would still have that emotion because it was never his intention for her to pass." Um, I'm not saying that's how I feel, but I wanted to acknowledge that point of view very quickly. Um. Mm-hmm. I, uh, sorry, I got to get rid of this. Okay. I, uh, this YouTube is like, no, continue to be in YouTube. Don't look at your notes. <laughs> um, the other job I just, you know, he had mentioned that Becky had two jobs. That's not something we've heard before. I assume it means that he was just not, you know, in touch with what Becky was doing, but he yeah. mentioned her working at, I think Louisa's pantry, uh, in addition to the Denny's job. Um, I didn't see anyone bring that up. Maybe it doesn't matter, but I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. There's a few things in there. That you, you know, I'm looking at the big things like is there a connection to Ron to the crime? Like, does it like he's got, I mean, essentially, he has no motive or opportunity. He was 12 hours away, 
He's uh, several alibis, his phone record. For, well, and yeah, I haven't seen but... that. And, and, and so I'm just getting to like the phone record thing. So, um, so there's like the alibi and then with the financial stuff we're going to get into, it seems he has no motive either. That being said, he's still off in a lot of stuff. And I think, okay, well, we should talk about got, all that. Cause yeah. Yeah. To, 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 to the point, like you're about the second job. I think he, that he is not as close to Becky as he is portraying. Got it. You know what I mean? That he hasn't talked to her as recently, maybe as he is saying that he had or wasn't as close and and because I don't think there's anything to back up her having a second job. Right. Okay. Um yeah, that was just stuff that didn't come up in people's feedback and I was still I I was trying to listen to it for information just like we do with all the other ones rather than mm-hmm. just, you know, ruling him out cuz that seemed like there was more that needed to be mined from the conversation. Yeah. Um I think we found the perhaps the source of the rumor that maybe that it, the crime was committed by someone that Ron pissed off. He may himself be the source of that. Right. I mean, that was something that was going around. And we hear him say this could have been this specific guy. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure we'll talk about more because we do have questions about that. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, yeah. And, and he sounded like he didn't really think it's like. The way I took that is that he was like trying to think, is there anyone that could, because in his job capacity, he wasn't really like, he wasn't like a detective. He wasn't working, you know, putting criminals away that may want to come back after him. He like worked in like records and worked in like the jail for a bit. I think I'm trying to remember exactly where he So worked, was he a he, sheriff? So he was a deputy. He wasn't a sheriff. Yeah. He was he a lieutenant. He was a lieutenant with the sheriff's department. Okay. Um, but I don't think he, but he wasn't a detective uh, from what I understand. And so I think what he, he was trying to think of, is there anybody that made, and he was like, well, he did testify at this one arbitration for this guy that had threatened to, to and, and he's kind of a hard guy to track down. So maybe, but, but I think even as, as he was playing that out in his mind, I think he came to the conclusion like, no, that doesn't really add up. Yeah. Either. I mean, he definitely said this is based on, he was, he was very clear about saying this i'm completely speculating i'm this uh, this is based on nothing i'm just trying to think of anyone but my point is you can see how that conversation gets turned into someone casually mentioning that who mentions it to someone else and then all of a sudden there's a rumor going around that this was about ron and not about the family right Um, yeah so i thought that was really interesting um uh everything else uh i think we can fold into the rest of the questions from folks one of the things that I wanted to just bring up right away because it was uh, stuff that we were talking about last week and we already kind of had put a pin in it is the financial stuff. There's still a mm-hmm. lot of questions coming in about finances, financial records, the discrepancy between what we heard from the early interviews about the amount of money that there was. There's still a lot of that rolling in. So my question to you is, do you feel like you have more than you did before to where you want to talk about that stuff or are we still kind of putting a pin in really digging into financial I'm working on building an episode right now that is breaking down all the details that we have regarding the finances. I've kind of touched on them like so like now I think we've got a better context of of kind of an explanation of where money was you know like the $10,000 check that we see come in and go out and then and then we see the late mortgage payments, and then we have Tiffany saying that well, sometimes they needed help. She needed help paying the mortgage and thing. So we've like got all this peripheral information that I think is going to help under help us understand the bank records better, 
And and so I'm, I'm working on building something together that's going to go through and break down everything we know. Because we have like a year, I believe it's a year of bank statements uh, and credit reports. Okay. And do you still believe that the amount John was telling you, the the or John was telling everybody the 175000 or whatever it is? I mean, you think that's still just a guess on what they thought they might get? That's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, that's a big discrepancy in my mind. I mean, maybe they truly didn't know, but I mean, to be $100,000 off is a big discrepancy. If I had to guess, and it's strictly a guess, it would be that that there was a conversation with Vicky and Ron about, well, can I just get a lump sum and just buy me out? And they were like, okay, well, we'll, wait, we'll have the um, the annuity the people, the annuity that run or that takes care of the the pension and the deferred comp people calculate out and see what's owed to you. It could be about, and then I think there, I, again, this is just me guessing that they might have sat around like, well, he made this much and he put this much in for this many years and with interest, like that could be like 175. You know, they could have come up mm-hmm. with this number of what they thought was coming. Uh, and, and in reality, they were way off, or it could be another source. That's it seems like that would have presented itself by now. Um, but that that's my guess is they didn't actually know how much money it was going to be. And okay. they were just speculating about how much it would be. Right. I see a note in the chat that um, I do want to just acknowledge um, this. This just came up for me. It's not actually about the thing I'm going to say, but I just wanted to quickly look for it. It was uh, about um, how much knowledge Ron said he had about Becky and, you know, in the case of his sister, or I'm sorry, in the case of Becky's sister, Tanya, um, and I and I mean this with complete and total respect, and I'm sorry to even bring it up, but I thought it was interesting that that Becky's sister had experienced a pregnancy and a miscarriage, which absolutely breaks my heart. But it did call up for me that it was interesting that that was something that Javi said had happened to Becky. I'm sure there's no connection. It probably means nothing. But it was interesting to me that Within this sort of year-long timeline that we're, we've kind of been playing with, um, I just thought it was interesting that that was something that was somehow a thing that Javier said was like 100% had happened for one mm-hmm. person in her family and that that actually did happen to another member. Again, probably means nothing, but that's the only other time we've heard a story like that. Right. I just thought that was sort of a interesting tuck it away probably is yeah. useful. And, but. And, that's, and, and I'm glad that was brought up because like for me, I heard it and was just like, I'm just listening for, is there any confirmation from anybody but Javier about Becky having a miscarriage? And it's like, there wasn't, it didn't occur to me that, yeah, but it's a good point that, yeah, he said one of the sisters did. Right. So did that, and it was Javier conflating those things. Right. Or did Becky kind of take that experience and share it as her own or it's a coincidence? I don't know. Yeah. It was just something that, that I made that my brain made the connection whether I wanted it to or not. So I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, acknowledge that. Um, Teresa just had an interesting point in here. I know, Teresa, you um, I think you had some some great questions in in the thing as well. But um, Teresa says, what if he said seventy five thousand dollars, which is kind of close to the child support lump sum? um, And the people that he was talking to thought that he said one hundred and seventy five thousand. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, it's possible. All all we have is speculation. There's a million different, you know, scenarios. But that's yeah, that's that's certainly possible. And the thing, and I say that because so when I when I left, so those of you guys know I when that I retired, I took early retirement as a fire chief. Well, I when I got promoted to chief, it was at a different department. So I spent ten years working, uh, twelve years working for one department and had a pension. And then 
I took a job as a chief at a different department and I had to cash out my retirement, roll it into stuff. And I literally went through this. So it was, it was like, okay, well, I know I paid this percentage of my paycheck all these years. And I was like waiting for a month to get the number, how much money I was going to have to roll into this other retirement account. And, and I was way off. I was like, well, I paid this much. They were supposed to match this much. And then it should get this much interest per year. Hmm. So it should be around here. And then it came in and I was off by like 20 grand, how much, oh, wow. you know, how much was getting moved okay. over. So and that's the reason I say that just from my own experience, I could see, you know, that they're wildly speculating about it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, we'll move along. Okay. So I just want to confer. I just wanted to shout out Kathy and Kristen, Kimberly and Laura. Um, uh, Valeria, I know you all had specific questions about financial records, the mortgage, a little more information, hoping for that, um, you know, th- this discrepancy in the money. So those are all things that I'm going to just table since you're working on financial stuff right yeah. now. I, but- I, I will break down real quick because um, some, some people have had, had some questions coming up about John's money and it wasn't yes. particularly about this episode. And then maybe what some of those questions were like. No, we're none of those John- are about John. Well, these questions were like, well, John, you know, we, we've said that, you know, John had money that wasn't coming in, but he, yes. we talked a little bit about last week that, you know, they're like, well, he's a contractor. Yeah. Maybe they paid him 60 or 70,000, but he had to buy materials and stuff like that. Somebody else had said, well, you know, and I had said my experience doing a job just like that, where they just paid me my labor rate um, and they provided the materials and they're like, well, they had a different experience where they had to buy materials and then get reimbursed for them. Um, first of all, those wouldn't go on a 1099. That's a different thing. Um, those would get expensed out in a different way because mm-hmm. that's not income. It's reimbursement. It's different. Right. Um, so the 1099 is just for the income that they they paid him. But it, it could – anyway, regardless of, of what it was, this is what we know on a, on a very broad scale. Mm-hmm. In the bank account, the one bank account we have, the only money coming into that was from Vicky's job. You never okay. see cash deposits or checks deposited from John into that account. So Vicky's money goes in there, and then Vicky makes enough money to pay the bills. It's tight, but the, you know, with a, with a little bit left over. Like we've mentioned, they were late on their mortgage payment a lot, which is always weird because there was enough money in the account to pay the mortgage, and they still were paying it late and paying these late fees, hmm. which kind of leads into builds into what I was talking about earlier that I think that maybe Vicky didn't have like the best grasp on what was you know. You know, for Ron saying that money was in the account and she never did anything with it, like you know, it doesn't surprise me when I'm seeing that she didn't follow through the steps to do that. But we also see we never see cash coming into the account. We never see checks from John coming into the account, but we see a constant cash withdrawals. The financial problems they had were because they were constantly withdrawing cash almost daily from like ATMs, drawing cash out of the account. So you have Vicky has enough money that if it goes in and they pay the bills, she can pay the bills. They seem to be homebodies. They don't seem to go anywhere by all accounts. They don't spend money, right? So her money, she's got enough coming in to pay the bills. There's cash coming out. John's money never goes in. And then in so so it the whole thing with John is I'm not saying like John was like wealthy and had a million dollars stashed away somewhere. What I'm saying is something's not adding up. When there was already enough money to pay the bills with just her salary, he makes and okay, let's say you're right, let's say half of his money was for materials. Okay, so then there's that's thirty five thousand in cash, and you talk about taxes. He wasn't paying taxes. That was he was in trouble for not paying taxes. 
There's $35,000 every year extra coming in and they're still struggling to pay the bills. So it's, I don't know where that money went. So all I'm saying is something's not adding up. Either there's a lot of cash somewhere or that cash is getting bled out somewhere that we don't know about. People did. I mentioned online gambling didn't didn't make sense because they didn't have a bank account. Several people said who did a lot of online gambling at that time that uh, you didn't need a bank account that you could actually yes. deposit through Western Union, or you could uh, buy a, like a card that would allow. I saw Nancy had posted about like a way to buy some prepay something that then yeah. doesn't come up as a credit card, right? Which could explain the cash withdrawals, like if, if there was like cash coming out. To, you know, it's hard to say that it was for drugs because his tox screen came back clean. Um, I really don't know as badly as the body was burned. Um, I should try to find an, a, an ME or somebody we can ask that too. Yes. Like, is it possible that those drugs wouldn't show up in blood tests when the bodies were burned that bad? I have no idea if that's true or not. Right. Um, but yeah, so my, my thing is, is, is I'm just really leaning towards right now the biggest risk factor and the biggest target that I see. I'm and this is by the way far you know at the beginning it was I said I thought it was Vicky Jim said it was either Vicky or Becky he leaned more towards Becky and I'm looking it's like everything is starting to as we're starting to cut people off the list and say okay well they didn't really have a motive they didn't have a motive they didn't have means they didn't have opportunity da 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 it's like things are starting to for me to hone in on John possibly being the target you know Vicky wanting to be gone that weekend there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, so in, and obviously we're going to continue and go where the t- case takes us, but I just did want to point that out because I've had several discussions on Facebook about it, that that's where I, where I'm at with the money with John It's just that all I know right now is something's not adding up. Hmm. There's money missing somewhere. Well, and, and to quote Tiffany, Tiffany says on a past interview that Vicky lived in a delusional world with money. Yeah. Like, so, so we do know that she's not good with money. Yeah. Well, so, according to Tiffany, anyway. According to Tiffany. So, I yeah. mean, what you're saying makes sense to me. Yeah. This is this goes to sort of John. I, I do have some more questions about John. Um, that was none of the ones that I that I kind of said we would table uh, necessarily involved him and his income. But um, Be- before you move on to the next question, oh, yeah. just sure, sure. on this topic in the YouTube yeah. chat, uh, Nicole says, "I'm trying to understand why all this matters. We're speculating they have money issues." But it's just that speculation. It doesn't add up to murder. Um, I mean, I, no one's saying it adds up to murder, but, but it's not just speculation. Like we know for a fact they had money issues and we know that there was money that, you know, was made that wasn't showing up. And we don't know what adds up to murder at this point. That's why that's all part of the victimology is to gather all this data. We don't just ignore things because they don't fit into whatever narrative is already in our head. Sorry, go ahead. Well, and yeah, we didn't. I mean, no one made an arrest for many, many years in this case. So yeah. there's, yeah. Um, okay, so Natasha says, uh, and I'm shortening some of these guys. I tried to make a note to myself because there were some longer comments this time. Um, but uh, Natasha was wondering, you know, again, speculating, could the possibility of John and Vicky thinking they were coming into a large sum of money actually not be related to what Ron owed her if there was something external, if there was some sort of, you know, like weed thing going on or you know is there something that you would tell someone was coming from a legitimate place because you were excited and you wanted to talk about money coming in Mm -hmm. but you would have to assign it a legitimate place because you could not say where the money was really coming from you're almost like verbally laundering it exactly wow that's a good way of putting it yeah 
like an ocular pack down. Okay, um, you know what? You should have stopped it at Lily laundering. You just went <laughs> too, you went too deep. You went too but yeah, that's that, that's that's possible. These are all uh, things that we should we should keep on the radar. Yeah, um, and then Jason does say, you know, if if John was making that kind of cash, um, he could be cashing checks at the bank, and we've talked about this before. But if he's walking out of the bank with you know six thousand dollars in cash, um, even with a retirement situation cleared up. Jason says, I still think money or the appearance of having significant amount, a significant amounts of cash is still the biggest risk factor here. So that sort of goes in line with what you were just saying yeah. about we don't yeah, know, but we have to really pay attention to that. And then Jason also wondered where, you know, a little bit more about like where John was cashing his checks, any more mm-hmm. information than just Bank of America. What about before Bank of America? Um, I'm putting that into the finances. We may or may not find that out category. Um, so. The other thing that came up with a few different people and John, Terry and Sarah and Megan, I think, had um, some similar thoughts. Uh, Terry says, any indication if Ron had employees that he may or may not have been paying regularly? Was he finishing jobs that he started on time? Um, So this question of, you know, what if he owed people money? Yes, John. What if he subcontracted people and then didn't pay them? Could that be a risk factor? Something like that. It, It could be, but we don't know. If that's the case, we have no indication. I doubt that just because, again, that's just generally not how it could be. I say generally when you're working for a property manager, that's not how it works, but it, it could be. But, you know, when we, we heard a long interview with uh, the property management company that was paying him mm-hmm. and we didn't hear anything about it, maybe he said something about he had a young guy that would help him. Or am I just imagining? I don't that? remember. I, I don't so remember. Long ago. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 possible, but I don't know. That's the case. Everyone we heard from just said that he was just like a handyman who just, you know, did stuff, worked for, you know, random people all the time. Right. Well, speaking of those random people, Sarah wanted to circle back on the interview with that employer, leaving the impression that John did work for other people as well. Do we have any indication that the police may have tracked or down or identified any of them at this point? Doesn't sound like it. There's there are some interviews with some neighbors who mentioned that John had done work for them and that he did work for other people around up in Pinion. Um, so there's, there's, there's definitely some facts we have to support the idea that that wasn't his only source of income. Um, right. but no, it doesn't sound like it, it doesn't really look like police focused much in on John or Vicky mm-hmm. as, as, as being the targets. Even though Ron himself said that, that John seemed like he would be anyway. Um, yeah. well, I mean, I guess if you, if you pull the thread and you just aren't finding anything, then you keep focusing on where you have all this information, in which case they were getting all these, you know, testimonials from people in Becky's life. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sarah just Sarah had said, um, had John's ex started legal proceedings against him? I, I think we're talking here about um, the child support stuff. I know we talked about. I'm, is her name Cindy? I'm sorry. I'm forgetting. The ex. Uh, John's ex-wife. Yeah. Yes. Cindy. Yeah. OK. Um, and so when we talked about that very, very early on, because we had that interview with her, uh, I can't remember if it sounded like because she seemed very um, I, I, like empathetic towards John in terms of like, well, he was taking care of this whole other family. And it didn't the way she talked about him, it didn't sound necessarily like she was the one chasing down those child uh, payments. And, and so I can't remember where we landed with that. If it was like, no, this is something that the the state or the government sort of handles for you whether you care or not they are going to kind of act on your behalf does that do you, can you circle no, back I, on I mean I don't know how it works in other states how it works in California but 
Um, I doubt it. Typically, most most courts that deal with like child support and stuff like that are so overwhelmed that they're not they're not just like going out around looking for trouble unless you know someone who's owed child support is making an issue about it. So, in other words, if the if they are garnishing his wages or putting those liens on or what, whatever was happening with his money for child support, it is because Cindy was aggressively saying like, hey, you owe this money. Yeah. But so we know okay. that he had tax liens, um, but that could be from child oh, support. for taxes. Just not or it could taxes. be for taxes. It's, it's, it. it's, that's just saying that they said, if you get a tax return, we're taking it because you owe money somewhere, but we don't know where. Understood. Understood. Okay. Um, Jill says, do you think the fact that the detective didn't ask Ron a single thing about Becky's boyfriend situation shows that the crime scene they encountered two days before did not point in that kind of direction? Um, Nancy also in her post had mentioned how strange it was that she thought that police kept going back to Becky based on the kind of recent interviews that we've had, including Ron's. Um, Lynn also says, in spite of his grief, Ron seems to have a reasonable assessment of the crime. I'm wondering how he feels about Robert and Kristen have Christian, sorry, Robert and Christian having the skill set to be the perpetrators. Was he in agreement with prosecutors when they were charged? So that's a little whole ball of stuff I yeah. just threw at you. But So I think that, honestly, I think that it was Javier who pushed police in Robert's direction um, at the beginning. So remember the rumors that everybody had going around, which Javier was the source of a lot of those, but I think it was probably coming from his dad or from neighbors. But what were the rumors we were hearing early? That Becky tried to run away. And they caught her, and they shot her, and and brought her back. That so, to me, that indicates that likely what the police thought happened at the beginning was exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that that they thought that she was the interrupt. She they thought that she tried to escape, and she wasn't the target. Well, and I think that that the reason the police honed in on her is because of her positioning, because her body was in the wheelbarrow. It was separate from the others, right? So then they. Uh, whether it's right or wrong, that's why they leaned that way so heavily. Yeah. But the See, early conversation so. was she wasn't the target and she got away. Yeah. And it's yeah, that she I, was a run that she ran, you know, that yeah. she was. I, I think their initial assessment of her being separate from the crime was that she was running away. But then, you know, Javier tells him about the hike. And then, you know, Javier in his interviews kind of keep pointing them towards Robert. Everybody else we hear from is pointing them towards Robert, and then we hear, well, that came from Javier. Everything mm-hmm. came from Javier. And I'm not saying that Javier, like, intentionally misled the police. I'm just saying I think that that's what he was thinking was the biggest thing. And so he just kept kept putting that out, that information out there. And then all of a sudden now you've interviewed 15 teenagers, and all of them are like, Robert, Robert, Robert is is a big risk factor, mm-hmm. even though really all that information all just came from one person. Right. But it, it seems to me that initially, just by looking at the crime scene, they initially thought that Becky was not the target, that she was just trying to run away. See, I guess right. I never, I guess I never got that impression. Even with Jim talking about it, Jim led Jim to that was part of that being her body position the way it was. It could be, yeah. I, and I'm only basing that off of those early rumors that we heard mm-hmm. from people who had some yeah. connection to law enforcement. The rumors were all that Becky was trying to run away. So that just, to me, and and I could but be that wrong doesn't about lead, that. That doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't lead to her not being the target. Just because she ran away doesn't lead to her not being the target. Yeah, it could be. That was just, yeah, that's and, fair. It, and it could be for sure. Could be totally wrong. It just to me, it seemed the the impression I got was just that they thought that 
there was an attack in the house. She either interrupted it or was upstairs or whatever, and then she tried to run away. Right. In terms of Ron kind of talking more about, as as we brought up, I, I've now forgotten his name and it's in my notes, So, but I think it was Fisher, someone Fisher, um, the guy that you talked about that, that Ron mentioned who said, you know, if anyone was angry enough to do this, I'm just mm-hmm. totally speculating. I got no reason to say this, but this guy... Folks definitely asking about that. Sarah and Steve um, wondering about any, in, you know, investigation into him after Ron brought that up. If we have any more information about him, and then I've, likewise, I saw a question about, you know, still wondering about the guy who had set the house on fire, who was arrested. That gentleman that we spoke about. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything yet um, okay. as far as any follow up on him. Um, other than just that one conversation with with Ron, but if I if I find something, then I'll I'll definitely share it. Uh, and I want Montana in the in the YouTube chat uh, mentioned that only Robert on the hike came from Javier. The other negative stuff was, um, as far as we've heard, was originally interview original to the interviewees. But it was so it's it's not just Robert on the hike. It, it's the story about maybe Robert threatening. Uh, well, there's well he just talked about the the miscarriage, the reason they broke up. Um, Robert is the was the source to Javier about the wheelbarrow. You know, there there was a lot of and it's a lot of little things, Montana. But it, it was a lot of little things that people said, and then when they asked, like, because uh, every time something like that came up, you hear the investigators like, "Oh, oh, where did that information come from?" And then it's like, "Oh, well, I don't like. Do you know that for a fact?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. That's what Javier told me. We hear we heard a lot. It wasn't just the hike." Okay. Chris said, who filed for divorce from whom? I found Ron's she-wanted-me-back narrative a little disturbing. Uh, it would seem more reliable coming from a neutral voice. Yeah, I don't know. we Because we, we hear from um, John's ex, who knew Vicky pretty well, that uh, Vicky divorced him because he was cheating on her. Um, I don't, you're going to hear another... So as of now, while we're recording this Wednesday, I've already dropped one of three bonus episodes this week, the interview with Tanya. Uh, it was dropped. I'm, I was scrambled to get that out before we did this. We also have an interview from Drew that I'm going to drop as a bonus. And then we have another interview with Ron uh, along with his wife, Liesl, um, that I have that, that's going to be dropped as a bonus all this week. So there's, I'm throwing a lot at you for those of you that want to hear a bunch of stuff, but just trying to get us you know, moving along and caught up. Um, and I definitely kind of what I mentioned earlier, get the impression that Ron's not completely truthful about his relationships both with Vicky and his daughter um uh you know and some of that's not surprising i guess because you know they died you know they were they were murdered and, and it could be him convincing himself uh how things went but yeah when i heard that at first when i first started listening to this interview that stuff comes up and i'm like that's not what anybody else right. said happened and, you know, the fact that she ended up with the house that he built and all that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know for a fact who the plaintiff or defendant was in that in that divorce. Um, but Ron's version of how that went and then Vicky wanting him back doesn't seem to jibe with what we've heard from other people. So I think right. the last part of that question, which I'm curious about, is is whether what what Ron's feelings are on the conviction of Robert and Christian. Do we know anything? Has he has he come out and said anything about that? 
Uh, I don't. I think that he was in support of that. I mean, I mean, prior to their conviction, you know, he's the one that hired uh, Bolaños, the private investigator, put the billboards up. Like he he was extreme. He got to a point where he was extremely critical of police. It was like, what the hell? It's been eight years, and you still haven't solved my daughter's murder. Um, and then there was a news article or a YouTube video that's out there of him, um, where he's he's all but accusing Javier of being. The killer. He he points out that that a ring, they so at the police had left it and the, the car there, mm-hmm. and then when they went to get Becky's car, they find in her car a ring that belonged to Javier's mom, or it was like inscribed. I do believe that. Or no, it, was, it belonged to his dad, but it was inscribed like by his mom in Becky's car, something like that. You know, and he's like holding it up to the camera saying, you know, how is this? How did the police leave this behind? This is in her car when she got murdered and it was connected to him. I don't know that it has any relevance to the case, but so, no, it, it, it seemed at that point that he was definitely um, not leaning towards Robert and Christian, that he was leaning towards Robert. As far as by the time the trial comes around um, in this other interview you're going to hear in 2015, I think he probably came around at that point, but I don't know for sure what he actually thinks. Uh, I just wanted to quickly shout out Rena in the chat, um, who says Tanya's husband was a firefighter. I must have forgotten that if I heard before uh, if I heard it before the drop today. Interesting. Um, obviously, we had conversations with Jim Clemeni and and early conversations with you about the crime scene mm-hmm. and the sort of interest in potentially someone who knows um, about fire. Um, so good catch. Interesting tidbit. Um, I I agree with you. Uh, I who just said that? Oh yeah, Jill. Jill said um, it was the, one of the more intriguing things about their relationship or about proving the level of where their relationship was, Ron and Vicky, was mm-hmm. this idea of them selling their house and not wanting to take all of their furniture up and giving it to John and Vicky. That was an interesting fact that sort of does seem to suggest like, oh, they have this amicable relationship, amicable relationship where, you know, they're giving them furniture or whatever. Right. If it's true, but then we also have indications that it might be because in Tiffany's interview, remember she said, like, I can't, you know, I went in the house and they had this like new furniture. They had a new dining set that I, you know, and she was, mm-hmm. and what she, you know, she was talking about in the context of they're broke. They can't fill the propane tank and yet they're buying a new, they don't, she doesn't know where this new dining set and stuff comes from. Um, so it was, it was, to me, it was kind of like that those could be dots connected that they didn't buy it, that Ron gave them this furniture. Um, yeah, I mean that's a really interest. That's actually a great dot to connect because we know that 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 uh, Tiffany and Ron did not have a good relationship at all. So you could imagine right. Vicky not wanting to tell Tiffany that that furniture came from Ron. So that actually is that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, and I, and I also want to point out too that was another thing where um, these were very like I mean I do believe for Ron to talk about that was the only time he met John. He's given specific information about how he was there. They didn't really talk. Like he'd went up to the house and this is all, you know, a year earlier prior to the murders. But, you know, all of that rang true to me the way he was telling telling that story that he'd gone up there and given him that that stuff. So it does seem like like things were pretty amicable with them at that point. Hmm. Um, Becky says, oh, I'm so sorry. Nope. That's my uh, heading to myself about things that involve Becky. Ashley says less of a question for this episode and more of a general thought. We keep talking about who we knew Becky and family were talking to, but this was the day, this was the heyday of uh, Messenger, Yahoo, MySpace. Becky was almost definitely making plans and talking to friends outside her cell phone. 
especially with not having cell service at her house. Just kind of reminding us, refreshing yeah. us on the frustration of like all of this um, computer information that we simply don't know anything about. Yeah, and, and I believe to. that the police ended up with access to her MySpace account, and I don't think anything ever came up where they, you know, where they found anything in there that w- that gave them any indication that you know there was anything in there that led them to who might have been the killer. The other thing that's big on this time, as, and I'm just thinking of this as we talk, is AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, that was yeah. Sorry, that was time. one of the things that I meant. Yeah, AOL that, that, Instant that Messenger, and I don't Ashley know how said. well that tracked. You know what I mean? How well that kept things? They yeah. probably had to subpoena for that because it didn't just. It wasn't like messages today, like in Facebook, where yeah. you could just scroll up. Like they were gone. Yeah, but I feel like in 2006, Messenger AOL was really phased, phasing or phased out by then. AOL was AOL Instant Messenger was its own thing. Okay, the AIM was yeah. its own thing that you could download, and people use that constantly. Okay. Uh, something that popped up for Valeria, not necessarily because it's uh, crucial, but just kind of came into her mind. Hopefully I'm not mis- misrepresenting that Valeria uh, with respect to Becky asking about the police, like the strobes and and that question. Um, again, not specifically about that, but it just triggered her wanting to verify, be reminded if Becky and Javi had any police records of like being pulled over or traffic, t- you know, like anything that com- comes no, up. Not that. No, not that I've seen. Got it. Um, Tony says, what are your current thoughts on who was the primary target? Every once in a while, folks like to check in with you on that. We've talked about it a little bit in this episode. Sounds like it's still a big question mark. Well, it, it is. But I, but I, I will say, as I, as I mentioned earlier, as I'm looking at, you know, trying to remove all bias and just looking at everything we're learning about victimology and I'm li- outside of the crime scene based on victimology, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards John being the target. And I, and I say that for a couple of reasons we have. So we got to find as far as victimology is concerned, right? We have to find a motive to commit a brutal triple homicide and burn a house down. That's a big, big thing with all the teenagers we've looked at, whether it be Robert and Christian, who we haven't even dug into their stuff very much yet. Um, but with like Jacob and like, so like what's Jacob's motive to do this, that she broke up with him. That seems, unless he's a psychopath, that seems crazy. What's Robert's motivation? That they were talking again? Like, that doesn't make sense. Javier, that, you know, he's he's jealous because he wants to be with her and maybe she's with somebody else. That, like, none of, yeah. So I will say this. I'll interrupt you, and, and I'm going to play the fence here on this. You say that about Robert. Me as a listener, I don't know that. I don't really know what's going on because I, you have you are privy to more than we are as listeners. Yeah. Well, so as far as a rela- lot that I don't know about Robert and Christian, as far as the relationship with them, that's it. It's it's that they were talking again. That's mm-hmm. and that's all we're going to know moving forward with them. So it's it, you know, with any of them, nothing nothing is presented to me that shows that could be motive for murder. With Vicky, it was like well. If 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 someone owed her, you know, if Ron owed her one hundred seventy five thousand dollars, and if she died, he didn't have to pay it. That could be motive, but now we've found it seems like that's not even the case. That you know that was all handled, done, and whatever that money is not going back to him. It was paid off, and they were on good terms. So that's gone. So it's like, well, where are Vicky's risk factors? Becky has some risk factors, but to me, nothing that escalates to this level. With John, we still have a lot of question marks. But we have what seems to be there, there's there's money missing somewhere. 
There's, we've heard from multiple people that, that somehow he was growing marijuana. We, we haven't had proof of that, but we've heard from multiple sources that they heard that he was growing, growing marijuana up there. So he was in the drug trade somehow. Uh, we have the idea that, that Vicky, very out of character, wanted to be gone that weekend. You know, and Becky, you know, generally isn't there much because she had been staying at Jacobs the whole time. So, like, I'm not saying John was the target, but as far as to answer the question, where I'm at right now, as I'm going through, based solely on what we know from victimology, the only buddy that person that seems to have possible risk factors that could result in something like this right now to me feels like John is the only one. And, and, and those aren't even known. It's just, there's just, there's too many unknowns for me to say it wasn't that he didn't have those kind of risk factors that, that could have indicated, you know, that, that could have caused this kind of thing. And then there's always, and then there's, there's still the, the left field scenario, someone we have no idea, right? Someone that was just like, I'm going to go up there and, and, break into a house and steal it. Things went bad and they burned the house down. That's always, a, I don't think so. This looks very much like a personal cause homicide to me, but um, yeah. Well, so for me, I, I lean, I'm leaning towards John being the, the most likely target based on what we know about victimology. You can literally take that away from the Delphi stuff going on right now. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody in left field? It could be somebody in left field. Yeah. I mean, as far as the Delphi stuff goes, we all thought it was somebody different. You know, we all thought it was this, this that had some connection and turns out it's this guy from left field that no one knows about. Right. So I'm not, I, I can't rule it out of this one. Yeah, it's possible. But he, but he, the thing is with Delphi though, is because of that lack of information, maybe we don't know if they, if he was left field. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? We could find out that, Oh, they were texting that day and you know, whatever. And we also don't know in that case, what the motive was because we don't know anything about the crime. Right. So say we find out they were sexually assaulted. Well, then that now is not a personal cause. That is, you know, any, young girl this was gonna you know could have been a victim that day there's a very but a very a personal cause homicide is generally you don't end up with somebody that like is like just had no connection to anybody but it's possible that we've misread this crime scene and it's not a personal cause homicide i think but yeah i mean if it's yeah. down the list for me I, yeah i don't know i mean i think a lot of people have brought up oh, time and again over the course of the investigation so far have brought up this idea of, you know, meth being a factor, things that get out way out of control when someone who is a drug addict, who is on drugs at the time that they commit a crime, things get out of hand. Somebody tries to stop someone from doing something and shots are fired. And then you have this radical reaction of like, let's burn everything like those. I mean, to me, that just doesn't seem that far outside the realm of possibility based even on we know about things you know, happening in the area. So yeah. I, that does seem very alive to me as a possibility, but yeah, it's definitely alive for sure. It's just, when, for me, when I look at the crime scene and just use what I know about, about profiling a scene like this, which is, again, it's still just probabilities is all we're doing is that to me, that person from left field that has no connection to these people at all, doesn't take the steps to conceal the crime right. scene that they took, Understood. you know, you know, there was a lot of time Understood. spent at the crime scene after the murders happened. That's a huge risk. Typically you see that risk for somebody that feels that they have a connection. And so they needed to look like this was an accident or they've just committed crimes before they know their DNA is out there. And if there's, if their sure. DNA is yep, at, at the crime sure. scene, then doesn't matter if you knew him or not. Um, okay. Uh, Clementi. 
we've been talking about him a lot this episode. Caroline, Sonia uh, are interested in finding out if you want to try to talk to Jim again, that we have more information than we did. Um, do you want to update him with more detail now that we're further down into this thing and, um, you know, see if he has thoughts based on actual pieces of information or do you want to keep that removed? How are you feeling about all that? And he's a very busy guy. Yeah. Yeah. At some point I would, I would love to, but I don't think we're there yet. We still have too many unanswered questions. You know, I don't want to take okay. Jim's time and have him come in and be like, well, what about this? And we're like, well, we don't know quite yet. What about this? We don't know yet. So we're still gathering, you know, we're, I think we're doing a very good job of, you know, for those, for those people that, that haven't been, you know, that haven't liked the pace of the show. It seems like people are coming around to it now and seeing like, this is a, as we've said, a super, it's a big case. It's a complex case. There's a lot to do. It's been difficult to tackle, but like we've started bringing all this information in. And for me, I'm looking at it as like, we're finally starting to, you know, we're starting to cross people off the wrist. We're starting to narrow it down. Like for me to get to the point where all of a sudden I'm looking at, Ooh, maybe we need to put a little more focus into John is a, you know, that's a big change from where I started. And it's because of this process of getting this, all, all this new information um, and, and so I, I would want to have answers to a lot more questions before I would bring Jim back in. Okay. Uh, and then finally, you know, just to sort of, uh, revisit what you say at the end of this episode, you know, you said you were dropping the bonuses, um, that you wanted us to hear from Ron about Chuck and that we we're going towards Chuck. Anything else you want to tell us about what we can expect in the next couple of episodes? Hopefully, I'm going to follow through with that. Um, so, as of Wednesday morning, Good to know. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the bonus with Tiffany or with Tanya is already up. Uh, yep. This afternoon, I'm hoping to get the one with Drew up, and then tomorrow, which is Thursday, I'm hoping to get the second interview with Ron up. Um, uh, and hopefully, I'll get all that done because the episode uh, with um, Chuck's interview is already sent off to Kelly for edit for Sunday. So um, that okay. one, that was already done. But yeah, so we hear. And I, and I just think it's good. And, and there's nothing huge and groundbreaking from Chuck. It's a long interview. It's an hour and a half long. Uh, luckily, it's very good audio, and he's got a very soothing voice. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that. But it's just like we're hearing from all these sources. We hear Tiffany talk about Chuck. You hear Tanya mention him. You hear Drew talk about him. You're going to hear Ron talk about the things. And you'll and you'll hear. I, I just want to warn you. When you hear Ron's second interview or his interview that we're going to play from 2015, you're you're probably going to be like, "That's bullshit." Because I was like that. That was the interview that I was going to use. Hmm. Um, that he seems to be. It's just a feeling I get that he was kind of making things seem better than they were, and also he he mentioned some things that happened between Becky and 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 uh, Tiffany that I I don't you know. He says they happened, but I don't see any evidence of it but he mentions you know he mentions a lot what was going on at chuck's house so that's the logical next place seems to be well now let's hear from chuck and he'll talk about everything that went on during the year becky lived there so you're going to hear that it's going to kind of complete that picture for us of everything that went on um while becky was living with him and tiffany up there so that's what's coming you'll have plenty to listen to this week you're going to have three bonuses uh, plus the uh, the interview coming with Chuck on Sunday will be the main episode, and it's a lot. It's like again, it's about an hour and a half long. Um, so it's just I just did a real quick intro. Here it is. Here's Chuck, and then there it is, and we'll talk about it next week. Sounds good. Zap, you want to add anything before we say goodbye? Nope, that's all I got. Cool. Um, the last thing I want to mention before we go is I I just want to address this here, um, because it's come up and it's a very tricky situation. Is 
people are starting to have conversations, obviously, with the information we have about, you know, John possibly being the target. And we've, we've heard a lot of negative things about John, um, which is, you know, I told you when I was reading Tiffany's, um, Tiffany's interview that that's tough. John's a victim of this crime. And we're talking about some negative things. This is what I would ask. Let's try to be in discussions on the fan page and stuff as respectful as we can be regarding John. It's hard because, you know, because there are people that are said like, nobody should say anything negative about any victim on this page, period. And it, and it gets to be the, and it's like, you know, it, normally I'm like, yeah, like we're not here to victim bash or victim blame or anything like that ever. But then other people are like, how are we supposed to accurately look at victimology and figure out who could be the target of the crime if we're not allowed to talk about the things people are saying this person did? And it's and, and, and all I'm saying is it is a very difficult – I don't know what the right answer is here. So what I'm just asking is to be respectful and, and, and let's not make let's, – let's not take what you heard someone say about John and then use that to make a post – Saying what you think about John, if that does that make sense? What I'm saying, yes. I think so. Okay, yeah. Um, so tr- try to be respectful there. Just know that myself and the and the moderators on the fan page are watching that stuff. Report things if you think it's a problem, um, and we're doing our best to try to let the conversation be open, but also not to be disrespectful. So we're it's it's a this is a tricky one, and so we are uh, we're doing our best there. So I would just ask that you do your best too. Also, last thing I'm going to say, uh, as far as the fan page goes, stop replying to comments in the follow-up thread. We've started, finally last night, uh, uh, myself and the other admins, we started like suspending people from the group when they do it because it just makes poor Janet's job very difficult. Well, I saw it and I felt, I was like, oh, you guys are going to get in trouble because it's a whole <laughs> discussion and like you're so clear now about that, not happen that shouldn't happen there and i was like oh oh no this, this is, is the th- wrong place to do this yeah <laughs> this is and janet totally tattled on you guys um <laughs> i did i was like yeah. uh, what do you what you know what do you want me so to do with this because i didn't know I if i should you... bring it up on the follow-up yeah this is how i want you guys to think about that follow-up thread imagine you're at a party and someone is standing there asking me a question to me and then you jump in and be like, well, I have the answer to that and blah, 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 blah. Right. See how that would be weird? That's what's but happening on the follow-up. Thread. Also, <laughs> for those of you who say, I also was wondering that, that's okay because you're standing next to the person asking and you're still asking Bob at the party. You're yes. just saying, I too was wondering that. So for those of you who say, oh, wow, that's a great question. I was also wondering that. I like that. As you hear, I try to shout out everybody who kind of was, yeah. you know. Um, interesting. That keeps in that, you from so. having a lot of repeated questions in there too. So that's for sure, fine. But for yeah. sure, yeah. When so that's like, great. Don't stop doing that. Yeah. When your reply is "I disagree," and then it turns into a four-page argument going back and yeah, forth, or rough. people love to go in there and just answer the question. Yeah. Um, just I hate to be eating up time now, but it's already a long episode, so why not? You got a little, <laughs> little bit of extra. <laughs> just right. warning you guys, we're gonna start. We're gonna st- we're gonna start punishing people oh. harshly, punishing people for doing it because I put in all bold letters. All caps every time not to do it, and then people do it anyway. So please stop doing that. With that being said, we love all you guys. Thank you so much for your engagement, your support. 
Uh, and let's continue on marching forward. You've got tons and tons of stuff to listen to, which I may regret because I've got Deer Camp coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll be gone for a week. I maybe should have saved some of this stuff for that. Uh, no, we can always all truth out. adjust us. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guys. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. For all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. All right, Kelly, I'm sorry because Bob's going to fuck this up and then I'm going to fuck it up and then it's going to be... I'm only going to fuck it up if you say the thing I don't like that you say. Ahoy, friends. Love you, Kelly. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, that's fun, right? That's fun. That's fun. That's good. We have a good time. There's a lot to love. Bob, what I'm hearing you say is there's a lot to love. Now, how many of these units do we have left? We are flying through these new Yetis. Next caller, we will give you two for one. <laughs> there it is. Yay! <laughs> Hard as yo-ho! Yeah. Get him, Bigfoot. I have 
an eye patch somewhere that I I don't know where it is. It makes me very sad because I would so, put it uh, on right now. To be a hundred percent transparent, this came with an eye patch, and I don't know what I did with. It. Why do we keep losing our eye patches? You could have had an eye patch on. Yeah. Well, I got both eyes right now, so when I lose one, I'll worry about that then. Son of a bitch. Don't just smash it. Unleash a miasma of death and decay upon that like button. It <laughs> helps right, us Bob. in ways that even we don't understand. <laughs> 